Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is the Tucker and Toddcast, a podcast in which we write adventure stories for our YouTube sketch show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on to the show. Hooray! <sighs> Confetti. I know, how about for a preamble, we remember where we left off last week. Oh, I dare you to remember where we left off last week. Let me see. I was kind of hoping you had a starter. I have streamlined the editing process so much that I have. It's even harder to remember anymore. (laughs) Uh, I believe that uh, the crew, with the exception of Tucker and Todd, managed to escape a robotics facility with Gigi. Would you like me to read the the maybe we should start doing this every episode from now on. I'm going to read my summary from last week's episode. You wrote a summary. Well, I I, I, well, not a summary, but I write an episode description for every episode, which summarizes the plot pretty like mm, not in detail. No spoilers, but it at least sets it up. No no spoilies. No spoilies. Uh, I said Parasocial Captivity is a popular new dating reality series capitalizing on simp culture and the recent pandemic of other dimensional wormhole events. But the stakes are drastically raised when an eligible bachelorette on the program is accidentally sucked into the outside. When her would-be rescuers follow her into the void and cross paths with Tucker and Todd, their circumstances can only improve, right? Back in reality, the crew is making progress on Craig's firmware upgrade, but their path brings them face-to-face with an old flame. Will their plan fan the flames, or will the fan be what the shit hits and the flames be what the plan goes up in? Cute. Yeah, okay, I remember all of it now. It worked. So yeah, Gigi was the new girlfriend. Oh no, it was Giark we're calling Gigi. Yeah, Gigi is the uh, the old girlfriend who is now a very invasive new girlfriend. Right. Okay. What a complex Valentine's episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Craig now has a, a parasocial relationship. Oh, speaking about relationships and invasive everything. Did you hear about they came the, the they somebody had the first cured case of AIDS or HIV, I should say. No, tell me about it. That's fascinating. They were doing a leukemia treatment, I believe. And then the leukemia treatment uh, somehow ended up. I, I didn't memorize the entire article, but uh, it was. A, oh, it was a stem cell. That's what it was. It was a stem cell treatment for leukemia and then ended up serving to cure uh, an HIV case. And she's been the, the person who it removed the virus from has been free of the virus for I think it was nine months. Yeah, I imagine they'd be testing and retesting like every every few weeks or months. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty exhaustively that's that's good news it's interesting to see but because it's stem cells i can't wait to see how the religious community responds well not all stem cells come from something that religious communities object to true so i I don't know where these stem cells came from if they came from a, a a fetus then yeah i expect some kind of a storm because they they never really cared a whole lot about aids to begin with those religious communities definitely not um anyhow that's not what this episode is about i just thought that was a really interesting thing that humans did this episode is not about aids or religious communities except for our uh, resident little cult they might show up again right probably this episode is about yet another imagine if you will i can't do a rod serling impression can you imagine if you will no imagine if you will imagine if you will 
we are going to so oh okay we have oh yeah we have many we have a couple plates spinning actually i think i think we kind of had it nailed and then we added more things but do we want to start on the thought yacht is that what we're thinking yeah i think that's where this tale begins it's a little bit of uh we're backing up a little bit going going back in time before the uh the apocalypse starts just a little bit just just a few minutes i think it i think it the uh, first the first little cracks begin to form just on the thought yacht mm, so we can do we can actually do a couple uh like disaster movie tropes aren't there there's a couple I can't even remember the name of any of the, the the Poseidon Adventure or whatever it was called. Tell me about this Poseidon Adventure. Wasn't that like a horror film that took place on a boat? I was just thinking of like boat disaster like tropes. We could do scenes from the Titanic. We can have the violin with the going down with the ship. We can have uh, an abusive fiance who is throwing his uh, his fiance under the under the bus as it were under the ship. I guess. Now I'm trying to think about what kind of band the thought yacht would have because if we're gonna have people playing music as the ship goes down we have to they have to be playing appropriate music is there a type of so i don't i i'm it's a lot of the things that we make fun of i'm only kind of third party aware of because of things that i watch make fun of those things and so i think this is a thing we should also make fun of but i don't act, i'm not actually in on it is there a type of music that is directly associated with like hot tub streams cuz when i think of it i'm thinking of the kind of music that plays over the end credits of an anime i don't know but i'm thinking that this could be a return of the wet ass pussy and that's this could be the oh, uh, funny. like a a res, a revival of that particular scene it can come back now because if there's any if there's any place where the that monster will come from, it's from the, an, a rift to the outside. <laughs> is is this is this the reinvention of that concept, and we're putting a line through the old one, or is this the return of it? Is this a sequel of that monster? Is this canonical? I think I think we might be going with sequel bait. Okay. <laughs> uh, if it turns out to be so much better than the original, then we'll just have to strike it out. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Okay. We're putting like a, what What do you call that? Like a side wager? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're playing blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> we're hedging our bets. But that'll, that'll be what happens like right at the end because the, the wet ass Pacific is going to be the end of that ship. So uh, whatever whatever shenanigans occur on it before that, that relate to oh. the outside will have to be, you know, to a lesser extent, including at least one instance of people falling into a wormhole and giving a certain, you know, television producer an idea. Does does the does the wet ass Pacific itself become an agent of chaos and swallow the ship? That is a little bit. I mean, the ship is phallic in shape. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's and uh I okay, think that's too low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think I think that's actually just a simulated sex act. Maybe it's not simulated at all. Maybe it's a very real sex act. Oh, well, is it that then? But then we do like an egregious censored like pop up. I mean, I think the thing is already going to be pretty censored. But then the censored, the little censor <laughs> oh, yeah, bar, true. the censor mosaic just like gets bigger and, and it, it it winds up taking up the entire thing. And then. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I'm into it again. Oh, do we do some sort of 
the sensor gets even bigger and it starts fucking up the screen, all the like the weird big blocky pixelization. Does it then cut to a scene of of like a, a pathetic fat man trope sitting in his RV watching this show? We see the huge pixels on his little dumb screen and he's like yelling at the screen like, what the fuck? Bring it back. Or he yells something about like somebody fixed the bunny ears or the, the, the dish or whatever. Oh, does it? It doesn't just uh, pixelate the image. It pixelates the entire screen. Just not only does it go all full mosaic, but it, it goes black and white. It, it grayscales the, the, the image on the on the screen. Or does it pixelate everything around it? The man is watching on the TV, it pixelates the screen, and then his whole inside of his interior becomes pixelated. It's like an abstraction event. Oh, yeah. I think I think it definitely pixelates reality around yeah. it. Yeah, that's not censorship. That is like reality itself, collectively rejecting whatever that image is. And then it cuts to us dressed up as little kittens hanging from a wire with the like technical difficulties hanging there moment. And then back. Oh, oh, I like that. So it starts it starts swallowing up the entire ship. People are falling off of it. People are jumping off because the alternative is much worse wherever they happen to be going. So people are diving off and then it immediately cuts to black or rather it cuts to our technical difficulty screen. And there we are. And it plays elevator music. It was just like, oh, technical difficulties. Yeah. And then so typically when there's technical difficulties, it cuts back to a point when everything's fine are we subverting that and it cuts back to right exactly where we were in the middle of the chaos yeah just like a slightly different angle (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep so it just sorry that didn't fix anything nothing's fixed everything is still terrible but we're back (laughs) we now return to your scheduled programming just Ah! screams (laughs) (laughs) screams Somewhere there's a helicopter that's falling out of the sky for no reason. Yeah, there's like climaxing drama, uh, disaster music. Yeah, it's it's Godzilla music, just like slightly off key so it doesn't trigger anybody. (laughs) Okay, and then and then when the ship gets totally consumed, what happens? Did I just hear Godzilla in the background? You hear dogs. Oh, I hear dogs. Okay. <laughs> so whether whether there was school or not today, there was something. Yeah, the dogs are out. Um, what happened? What what happens after the ship gets completely consumed? Do we see where it goes? And no, it doesn't just go into a tunnel somewhere like a meat tunnel. That's not what happens. <laughs> no, it, we're not it probably gets swallowed up into the outside somewhere. Although it would be kind of, oh, I was going to say it would be kind of cool if we were briefly in a tunnel and we see Willy Wonka passing, screaming his like, and the, the, I can't even remember any of the lines. But when he gets really trippy and crazy in the tunnel. Oh, <laughs> it shows no signs of slowing. Yeah, that oh, that is the line. But actually, we should save that for our actual uh, Willy Wonka premise later. Oh, yes. Although it, it, it doesn't hurt to introduce him now and then bring him back later. Oh, yeah, I guess so. We could see him. Uh, but either way, where does he go? So I guess, do we go, hmm, or do we cut away from there and catch up with some of our other crew, cut to B-plot or whatever? We should probably cut away from there. This is this is a disaster intro, but yeah, disaster it, intro. It, we're not going to focus on it because it doesn't go anywhere good. It just, the ship gets consumed and then that's that. Right. We're we're do, we're doing a couple of things. We're showing the executive on the ship having the idea. So obviously that guy gets off the ship though, or is able to. Yes, he he's one of the guys who he he 
I'm, I'm going to say that since he's a terrible person, he punches a mother and her kids right off of a, like a, one of the escape boats and he takes it for himself. Yeah, definitely. Because that's, that's a character establishing moment. Not only does he get inspired to make use of one of these wormholes for a TV show, but he also like kicks a mother and kid off of this lifeboat. Does he kick them or does he scheme? He he stands there and he acts. He's holding a, the handle of a door. And he goes, women and children first. He sees some women and children, but it's just the door out off the side of the ship. He lets them walk off out into nothing. And then he snickers to himself as he gets onto a life raft. Well, that seems like an unnecessary trick. It is an unnecessary trick. It, may, it probably makes more sense if he forcibly ejects them from a lifeboat they're already in instead of tricking them into not getting one in the first place. Yeah, that's classic. He's just selfish and, and he's a bad guy. Yes, they're about to leave and there's no room left for him. So he's like, oh, you got to get out of here. I'm yeah. important. OK, so we catch up with straight woman, Plato, Craig and Gigi. Ah, that's a skip ahead in time. Oh, which is which is fine. We don't we don't we don't respect linear time. Where were you thinking of cutting away to? Or were you thinking because I mean, wouldn't it have to be a cutaway in time? Cutting away. Yes, I I would either show people being littered into wherever their destination is from the ship, or ahead to uh, straight woman, Plato, Craig, Stan, and Gigi. Yeah, because I think because so far a lot of the 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 when things have kind of like blipped and had a uh, an outside into the outside event they have been kind of like anachronistic just because they enter at one time doesn't mean they pop out on the other side at the same time so that's correct there's I there's want, there's no telling where they're but where they'll come out or when to to just step away from like the order uh, in which things occurred just kind of i do want to explore how the ship appears on the other side is it a th- case in which we come across it and it's been adrift for a while in the outside or does it bloop show up right in front of us all of a sudden are tucker and todd encountering do you, it, do, you do you remember when we had to go and fetch an antenna an antenna do you remember yeah that was for the radio in oh, the yeah. outside in a previous episode we had to go and scavenge for parts off of a ship didn't we that's right that's the ship oh did we say that it was the ship at that time nope but that's the ship. It's been there for a while now. Okay. So, so when, yeah, now I need to go back because I don't remember it extremely well. So it's like totally scrapped and a piece of, it's like a heap now. So it's been there for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's like a shipwreck. And it's almost like what happens to a shipwreck that's been at the bottom of the sea for too long. It's full of like native life. Right. I remember that now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it had a working antenna on it. That's what we needed. We just had to go scavenge for parts. And I'm pretty sure we actually fast moded right through the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I remember because it was a long journey. And then we decided that uh, it was actually pretty much right next to our starting position. We just took the long way to get there. Oh, so are you you suggesting that in this episode, we won't have much more interaction with that ship? It was just kind of like building in some background history on how things have, have been occurring. Well, we can go back to it at any time because we we can just go back in time to when it first arrived. But currently, it's just a set piece, and that's how it got there. Right. So I guess we'll have to take a moment and show its arrival and have it kind of settle more or less right where we find it earlier slash later. Oh, difficult to think about. 
Oh yeah, that's interesting. If maybe uh, so, is this we're cutting back and forth in time? It starts back in time before. Hmm. Yes, we are dancing back and forth through time, which is already something that's necessary with the way Tucker and Todd are in the outside, like a whole two months before uh, they actually canonically left. They've gone back right. in time by just getting there. So trying to manage the timelines in our head doesn't really matter too much. It's kind of futile. Yeah, no, time is all over the place. Okay, so I'm not going to worry about that then. So we, if we cut back to a, a scene uh, from from the intro, then we go forward in time to Straight Woman and them. And then after that period, just planning this out a little bit, we plot back to the ship immediately after it appears in the outside. And we see them going through a bit of a, oh, do we do like a Lord of the Flies kind of thing? This time, I'm willing to play it totally straight because everybody there is already a, basically a cutthroat slut. Right. They're all in it for themselves and they have no standards of respect for each other or themselves. So it's going to go total Lord of the Flies. Okay, we will come back to that. And that's good to know. Okay, I've, I, we know where we're going. Yeah, that that there's there's no real community there. They're all going to fall down on each other. But there is going to have to be like one of them who is like the most conniving, like that. There's always a, the smartest person in the room. So the smartest person in the room is going to become like the queen uh, and start manipulating uh, like the economy and the politics and whatnot. That could be interesting. Of, of the boat. I like how we yeah. already know that the most cunning person there is definitely going to be one of the hot tub streamer ladies. Right. We, we're we're going to go there. We're going to make fun of Amaranth. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of who I'm, I have in my imagination. Yeah, she is the queen pin. She's hated, but she's obviously winning. I'm also, yeah, it's interesting to me. I'm watching this. Uh, in yes, she, she is winning. She's she, winning. She's made clowns of all of us. She's a millionaire. And I think many of us hate these millionaires, but we love so many people. I'm just curious how many people are willing to admit that they would like to be her. Oh, absolutely. My my self-respect is definitely worth that dollar value. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyhow, not 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 to turn this into us simping or anything. Nope, this this is us saying that we're willing to be paid by simps. That's right. Check out our Patreon. There that we, is that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, there is a feed pick section. It's not our feed, though. No, they've been these these they're all left feet and they've all been donated by uh, someone who wished to remain anonymous. There is a female stand up named Annie Letterman, and I follow her on Instagram. And every single photo she takes, she pixelates her feet, and it makes me laugh every time. Ha <laughs> ha, feet creeps. Yeah, I got feet creeps away. Not none not, for it, you. Yeah, exactly. No feet for you. Okay, so we okay, we need to catch up with. I mean, do we actually have anything going on with them? Do they have a mission right now? I can't remember. Which group? Straight women in them, the crew. They do. They do. Their uh, their firmware update for Craig was actually only one of the steps towards their goal. Their goal was to find us, but they needed Craig in tip top shape in order to reliably find a way to get to us. And then like first they have to find a way to get to the outside and then they have to figure out a way to navigate the outside. Right. They've all seen it before, so they know it's wiggity whack. It's wild. It's crazy. So they need a supercomputer on their team. So Craig was step one. Step two is finding a stable wormhole. We know where one is, don't we? At the location of the television program. That's right. 
So I'm going to assume that they might need to actually get there. With Craig's full capabilities now online, he's probably got some kind of a crazy scan that can pick up energy signatures and all that stuff. Oh, I was going to say, does Craig locate it or does is Stan or even Cody is a fan of the show? Oh, I think it would be hilarious if Stan was a fan of the show and he happened to know that there was a stable wormhole all this time. Yeah. yeah. So first, we're going to need this group to go out in search and it needs to be a fruitless search even craig's supercomputer can't find a stable one that stan knew the whole time yeah exactly so yeah craig craig immediately boots up his super scanner and he's like ah the nearest wormhole is blah 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 you know this direction this many miles so they hit the road they 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 start motoring towards it and pretty much just as soon as they get there it closes they're like ah shucks Best out of three. So they scan again. We'll, we'll go do that one. You know, we'll we'll try again. We won't let one setback screw us over. Not when we've come this far. Happens again. With their road trip montages, we have Fleetwood Mac playing. Oh, yeah. Stan, Stan is in charge of the radio. <laughs> That's great. He's he's sitting in like straight woman's lap. She's she's in the front passenger seat right now. She's she's navigator. She's using Craig's heads up display to follow map pings we have everybody's else's sleeping and we have the hot woman in the ferrari from vacation <laughs> she's just i guess she's just driving by it's the middle of the apocalypse but it's a it's a nice day for a drive oh or wait <laughs> it's bill cosby in a ferrari with a passed out blonde woman in the ferrari in the passenger seat he would be having a great time in the apocalypse, especially because we've already kind of established that he's an outside being. Yeah, he's he's doing his own winning. Uh, we do not at the Tucker and Taj show endorse the behavior of. Bill no, Cosby. actually, we condemn it in the strongest possible terms. That's why we always beat him up. Yeah, we're going to lampoon him and make fun of him until there's nothing left of him. We're going to national lampoon him. <laughs> yeah, because as he's driving that Ferrari around, he he's got his his latest victim passed out, but he sees us drive by and he looks in our direction and he's like, hey, I know those guys. And no sooner does he do that than his car spins out of control and he hits a tree. Oh, but and the and, lady, and it, his lady, his lady. Yeah, his lady flies out and uh, lands really softly on something. There's just like a an outside portal opens up and spits out a gargantuan pillow. Oh, she lands on her tuffet. It spits out a gargantuan tuffet. What is a tuffet? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a cushion. Okay. Yeah, like a footstool. Yeah, it just like a really plush one, a giant one. She just like lands on it. She's fine. She wakes up shortly after. Bill Cosby is currently wrapped around a tree. <laughs> like the car is bifurcated. Bill Cosby is bifurcated. Oh yeah, the entire thing is pretzeled around this tree and that includes bill cosby cosby is now a pretzel around this tree we last saw him at the bottom of a lake this is how we've revived him he's shown <laughs> up for five seconds to just get wasted correct oh does he actually it's not just a spin-off he does a, like an a-team car flip oh yeah it it in fact it should probably be an egregious car flip or a cartwheels and then and spins and it's just like it smash cuts to different acrobatic maneuvers being performed by this car that becomes progressively more and more dented and beat up before it hits a tree 
with like xylophone sound effects as it spins. Yeah. And it's just (laughs) and in fact, it needs to go on for far longer than its actual momentum should have allowed. So like it needs to be like the hallway where it just it goes on past its welcome. Yeah, for sure. And and it needs to it needs to come to almost a stop at least twice where it looks like it's about to, you know, come at come to rest only to immediately reassert its momentum and start flipping around again. Oh, does it like stop and take a couple breaths and then keep going? Oh, I like that. <laughs> it just and then it, it just sputters a bit and then it resumes. And then it does the kind of I can't remember it like kind of Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes thing, whichever it was where as it's going, it has the sound effects that indicating that it's like crunching and rolling and banging. And then it cuts to two characters watching that happen with that sound in the background. And they make like some sort of like wry remark and then look at the camera and shrug. And then it fades to black with the sound fading down like a droopy dog kind of actually that would be kind of funny if droopy dog was there. Just for the fuck of doing the voice, I like it. I I would be I would be fine with the dog, but the if we fade to black, do we get to see the car make contact with a tree? Oh, you're right. We it can't just go off into the horizon. This isn't Team Rocket blasting off again. It's it's although I would be fine with us like fading oh, to know. black, and then the sound just like continues. The sound never dims, and then the the screen immediately comes back on, and it's still going. It's more of like a Popeye thing or whatever. So the the tree wrap the car wraps around the tree eventually, and then Miss Muffet lands on her tuffet very nearby the tree, and then she goes over and starts kicking Bill Cosby's body, and that's the that's the repeated sound and animation that we're seeing, and then it cuts to some droopy dog who like makes a uh, well ain't that a kicker or something like that. I think she should pick up like a an axle from the car, like a that swinging it like a pipe. And then she goes off screen, but you can see her walking off the screen with murderous intent in Bill Cosby's direction. Then we don't actually have to depict his retribution, but everybody knows it's coming. Well, I guess that's his pudding popped. <laughs> okay. Okay, Bill Cosby, you, you've, you've done it. You just got your pudding popped. <laughs> <laughs> I like the voice too. <laughs> it's a little bit Truman Capote, a little bit uh, Droopy Dog. It was an excellent Droopy Dog. I had to put hello while you happy people. Oh, I'm so glad there was an opportunity for a brief adventure on our way to the next wormhole. Right. <laughs> we needed to break it up. We can't just drive and lose. No, we need to bring in old friends and foes. Okay, and then now... We're driving to wormhole number two, next nearest. Fortunately, we're we're suspiciously still going in the correct direction towards the stable one, mostly. But it also closes just before we get there. But before it closes, something comes out. Something dangerous? Either something dangerous or something that's annoying. Ooh. I mean, the first that, what, the first thing that came to mind when you said annoying was Ben Shapiro. Oh, I think we all know he's from the outside. <laughs> but he's with the pseudo intellectuals. Yeah. Oh, but they're all in the outside. We le- that's where we left them. Now that yeah, the be- now that there's all these breaches, there's actually that would be the perfect opportunity for him to come back. Oh, is he like he's like he's literally he's Jim Carrey. He's I'm back, baby. 
<laughs> Only if he says it in a shitty, fast-talking voice. I I would need to practice. Do you have that? It's the, it's on the cadence, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something about the way he speaks, and especially near the end of a sentence, he he gets faster as he gets closer to a period. It's wild. It. It's no wonder he's always winning his arguments. It's because nobody can follow. Yeah, he really he he's like a character from a WB dramedy series from 2001. He's a foil for the Animaniacs. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Like he's the only guy they know who's faster than they are. You don't have to have good points if you can talk so quickly and loudly enough that nobody can ever get a word in edgewise or follow your point at all. He was probably one of the rejects for, you know, like he he tried to become an animaniac and he was rejected. He was a little too crazy and fast. That's interesting. I mean, that is a motivation. That's uh, what's the guy in the Incredibles syndrome? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is syndrome. He he's got that wasn't good enough complex now. That is interesting. Is that is that what we're doing with this guy coming out of the world right now? I don't know. It, now it's actually too big for a brief encounter, I think. Well, because it's, we wanted... it's almost a, it's almost a premise. We wanted those guys to be cartoon villains. So I guess that is just that's some backstory on how some of that came to be. OK, we're tabling that. Stick that aside for when we revisit them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben Shapiro is syndrome. That means that the entire band of the pseudo intellectuals, they're all a bunch of cartoon villains. They're they're like a evil council. They're the anti-justice league. Q cartoon heroes by Aqua. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just need to make a note of that because that's important. Okay. Um, I know what comes out of the portal. Something just j- brief and jokey, yeah? One of the simps that got sucked into it on the TV show. Oh. <laughs> Stan will be like, I know that guy. Oh, that helps. That leads into it. Exactly. But also he's pissed off because he wanted to be there so that he could go say, what's her name? Val. He's like, no. <laughs> he comes out. There's no Val. He's just back in the midst of the apocalypse. Ah, ah, ah. This isn't where I wanted to be. But Stan's like, I know that guy. Oh, man, I was hoping he would win. Is no Val a calculator joke that we can do? Is that a thing? I feel like that rings a bell. I have no idea. Can you fit it in here? I'm like what I'm imagining is he goes, there's no Val. And Craig says, does not compute. It's just a tiny little thing. It's not quality. <laughs> beep, beep, error. No <laughs> <Yeah>. Val. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he comes out just screaming Val, Val, to which Craig just in in the car, just like beep, beep, error, no Val, just like in big, big green letters over a black screen on his face. He shudders. He's like, I don't know why I did that. That was weird. That was weird. (laughs) And then Stan recognizes the guy and he says, pull over. I know this guy because he's like. What? How do you know him? He was a contestant on that show where they were throwing people into a stable wormhole. He wants a selfie with him. He wants a selfie. Yeah, why not? It's one of the simps from Parasocial Activity. From what? Oh, you know, just a just a dating show where they throw losing contestants into a stable wormhole. A st- <laughs> you mean uh, the what? thing we're looking for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounded like Craig was on it. Yeah, just excuses. He th- you guys never asked me for nothing. Stan gets his selfie. And then just as soon as the guy asks if he can come with us, we're already pulling away, leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him there. Whatever. That story beat is over. We don't need you anymore. Now we're cruising 
with with new uh, you know coordinates craig now has a new little destination and of course some stan has set it up so that when he's doing the the gps voice it's like an australian lady because stan stands into it of course yeah your destination is on your right in 20 meters turn left (laughs) turn turn left there's no there's just like a ravine that's not a right (laughs) (laughs) oh okay i think that would be a joke that has to go that has to go in there yeah yeah it's required that's genius Okay, maybe maybe Stan actually needs it to be in Crocodile Dundee's voice. And it's Paul Hogan. I bet you you can actually pay $12 to get a Paul Hogan GPS. I need to look this up. I bet you can. That's, that's not a ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that actually hurt me somewhere. <laughs> well, I know our YouTube clip for this week. <laughs> That's not a right. <laughs> he says, up left, up ahead, turn right. We start turning left. He says, that's not a right. <laughs> yeah, GPS voice getting snippy with you. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, and it also takes control of the vehicle. This is a right. I mean, this is also episode title. That's not a right. Oh, somebody's going to think it's political, but it's actually just Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, we're not talking about your rights. We're just talking about... That's not a knife. Directions. Okay. So they're they're now they have a direction. They have a wormhole. Craig has it locked in. He's he's scanned it, detected it. They're following their GPS coordinates, listening to, to Paul Hogan. <laughs> That's not a right. And <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> All right. So is there is there anything else they encounter on their way to the studio? That not our studio, but wherever that show is set. Uh, I think they should have me. I guess one more thing. They need a threes. They're not a repetition of threes, but it's just encounters. Dora the Explorer. You want them to encounter Dora the Explorer? Oh, I I was just saying the Dora the Explorer formula. It's stuck in my head, but um. Oh well, I mean, if we always do things coming in threes, that's why I was given us the chance to insert something unnecessary in there. Yeah, I mean, like some sort of fantastical creature, a gummy worm. Is it a gummy worm with a whole bunch of people currently eating it? Oh, say that one more time. That was very choppy delayed. Oh, how do I sound now? You're good. It was just like network lag. Is it a is it a giant gummy worm with a bunch of people eating it? Like instead of an outside creature attacking humans, it's humans on mass attacking an outside creature. Well, are, are they attacking it or are they like feeding from it? It's like offering itself like mm, like. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're they're swarming it and taking bites out of it. It's trying to get away, but it's dying. It's a giant gummy worm and it's being attacked by a bunch of sugar addicted middle Americans. But does it have a very silly voice as it's dying? Oh, is it speaking? What's it saying? No, it's, it's... no, please help me. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been chewed this badly since I was in Macbeth. Um, or uh, there was a voice. Excuse me, on... the Scottish play. <laughs> yeah, right. No, there's a voice on Cuphead, and I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn it, but I can't. It's uh, I need to hear it again. 
but it was it was a high pitched like New Jersey lady kind of voice. It, it, a, a macaroni rascal. A macaroni rascal. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Is it whiny? It's all the way up here. You're doing this voice and you're cheating me out of everything I have. Is that annoying enough for a dying worm? Yes, I think that's perfect because now I no longer feel bad for the worm. I want it to die. <laughs> I want it to die. We go over. It's a slug. We pour salt on it. It couldn't be worse if it was speaking Fran Drescher's voice. And I might actually, I might even pitch that up like a tone so that it sounds like a cartoon version of that as well. Do do we do we pour salt on it or do we just kind of watch as it gets eaten by an ever increasing swarm of oh, really we, desperate sugar chasers? Do we have the moment where we see it running and struggling and we don't hear its voice at first and we are very concerned? We like we need to go save it. And then we hear it pleading for help in that voice. And so we just stand there and watch it die. And somebody makes a comment like, I'm glad he died. I think I'm glad it's dead. Oh, yeah. At first, it just kind of whines uh, almost almost like a, 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 a beaten dog would. You know, the kind that you actually really empathize with that that triggers your protective instincts. And so we're like, get us in there. We got to go help that thing. It's It doesn't deserve to die like this. And then it starts talking. And we just all are like, ugh. Ugh. Never mind. And then we'd, we'd get out of the van and go start trying to eat it, make it die faster. And then and then we have sugar rush energy to finish making our way to the set. Sugar rush energy and then the sugar crash. Sugar. Oh, yeah, probably a severe sugar crash. Should we reverse the order in which things happen then? And so that's the second thing that happens. And then the sugar rush occurs and then the sugar crash happens. And that's when everybody's asleep and allows for the Ferrari moment. And the Ferrari are, are we asleep for the Ferrari moment? Well, I suppose that would be a, a pretty good reason for Bill Cosby to try and really quickly turn that thing around because he just saw an entire van full of vulnerable sleeping people. That's his well, favorite kind of people. Well, not not everyone is sleeping, but in National Lampoon, only Chevy Chase is awake and everybody else is napping when the Ferrari pulls up, if I recall correctly. Does that mean Craig or Gigi are driving? Oh, yeah, I guess that can make sense. Or or is it Stan driving and he's he's on oh, somebody's lap? He he has no access to the gas or brakes, so he's just kind of got people's feet on them and he's just pressing his weight down on their knees. Or he's even he's standing on the seat. That is kind of cute to me. It's like he's on a forklift. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's standing on the seat. He's got uh, Craig propped against the gas pedal. Either that, or he's got like a little like a stick. He's driving stick. Oh, he's got, the most short, literal he's got sense. short rounds, little block strapped to his foot. Hold on to you your Got to hold on to your potatoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he can't do that if he's standing on the seat. You could have. Yeah, I don't know. Now he's just got a he's just got a hand operated. That's all. Sure. And that works for him being the sleazy guy who looks over and is being <laughs> he doesn't even notice Cosby at first. He just sees the woman in the seat and he's like daydreaming. Oh, yeah. It, we do nothing to intervene. Cosby only has an accident because he notices us. Oh, that would be good if we're all kind of like leaned back in our chairs sleeping. Cosby doesn't notice at first, but as Stan starts swerving as he's daydreaming, one of us kind of like looks up and Cosby sees us in the seat or the uh, straight woman maybe and is like, oh my God. And then that's when he crashes. 
I recognize those people. And he turns a little. He's one of those people who, when he he turns his head too far, his hands start going in the same direction. So he winds up spinning out, and then the entire big old spinning scene occurs. The excessive cartwheeling and rolling of the car. Okay, excellent. And now with everybody done their nap, we make it to the set. Yeah. So actually, maybe that was first, second, and then the uh, the simp is the third. So that we get, we uh, Stan has his moment with, oh, well, I knew. And then we head from that to the, the, the set. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yes. Then, uh, yes, then everybody gets to be kind of mad at Stan, who once again knew exactly where we needed, what we needed, where we were going. Because this seems like the kind of thing Stan does all the time. Just unreliable. Has the ability to contribute, but just simply doesn't. Yeah, just non-contributor. Why is he even here? Well, yeah, he he could be a Deus Ex Machina, but we just don't, he just doesn't activate. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's only here because he's finished his magazine. Oh yeah, his his subscription didn't get delivered since it's the apocalypse. That would be enough of a reason for him to get out of the house. My New Yorker didn't come. Which magazine does he read? Have we ever established that? No, it's just probably an entire plethora of various tabloids. We should spend a day with Stan someday. Just see what he gets up to during his routine when nobody else is home. An episode, one of those a day in the life. Yeah, it's like a baby's day out kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay, so so they arrive at the set. The wormhole is still there. Is anybody uh, shooting an episode of anything or is the set largely abandoned after the app, the accidents that occurred in the last episode? Yeah, because I'm trying to wonder, because in my mind, it was like those kind of shows are usually set, shot in like they're they lease a mansion in Beverly Hills or whatever. Like it's usually set in like a large estate. And so I'm wondering if it would have been taken over by Raiders or something. Or is the show just still in production because that executive has already demonstrated that the loss of people isn't a problem? Oh, that's true. In fact, the ratings have gone up since it's become more. Yeah, if, if anything, that's only made the viewership increase. People are watching in the hopes that the entire cast wind up getting sucked up. Oh, they've added an element where you can you can uh, like you. There's an app where you bet on. Like, oh, yeah. Something might go wrong. You can vote online for who well, gets think... tossed in. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say you bet on who might get accidentally t- sucked in, but it's you're 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 now it's now American Idol for voting or whatever. Yep, the viewers now get have direct active input on who gets voted off the island into the wormhole. So that means the crew is actually going to basically crash the production of an episode. They're they're currently filming. There's an entirely new cast to replace all the people who got sucked in last time. And Stan now gets to be on the set of his favorite current show. Oh, that's cute. He's a big fan and he's he's uh, fanboying as he's going around. Yeah, he's like, I recognize that table. I love that table. <laughs> so hmm, does he stay? But does he want to stay behind as we because do we have to? Is there any confrontation or conflict in the way of us just getting to the portal or do we just go straight to it and we're through? Well, besides the part where Stan wants to stop and Gawk can take selfies with everything. The entire film crew is probably pretty hands off because the the executives in charge don't really care what happens to anybody so long as it ends up on camera. So the entire production being crashed 
probably only improves the ratings even further. In fact, as soon as everybody else starts showing up, uh, the the votes for who gets gets tossed into the the wormhole is now the little bear. <laughs> America, it's, it's America's exciting. America's choice for who gets thrown in the in the wormhole is now Stan. They love me. They really love me. And somebody grabs him by the scruff and tosses him in the wormhole. Ah, they love me. And the crew's like, well, that's fine. We needed to go in there anyways. They just jump in. Yeah, who's next? Uh, we all are. Excuse us. Yeah, I guess that's that's slightly anticlimactic, but that's also part of the point. They're like, whatever, we're just going. Or is it sort of a maybe we try to, I'm not sure, we do a foreshadow moment and try to set something up. They have a spike in ratings with that crash. And so we, as we as the crew disappears through the wormhole, uh, we cut to the the producer's booth or whatever, and he he sees the the spike in the the votes or the ratings or whatever, and he makes a comment on it. He like he calls someone or he's got his walkie talkie or he just grumbles to himself about like somebody find me those whatevers. Like he he has an idea for he wants to involve those people in a show now. He wants to hunt down our crew so that he can capitalize on. Them. Or even worse, he's like, we need to open up the set to the public now. Just let everybody in to go into the wormhole. Oh, interesting. That would be a new problem. Just suddenly random people are now flooding into the outside because they wanted to be on reality television. But I do think the executive should be like, I want that bear. Suddenly there's a huge demand for more Stan. So is his idea that they're going to convert, is it, is, are they converting it from a program into purely a destination or is it a program about the destination? Because what I'm understanding is basically they're now charging. It's, it's, it's going to become just for laughs gags where they throw people in the wormhole. Oh, or, or I you're on candid camera. Toss them but in. It's, it's not even candid. People sign up. It's more like that wipeout or whatever. Like come sign up to be exterminated and eliminated or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's it's now the most extreme elimination challenge. Yeah, okay, I like that. But instead of over a pool of water, it's the wormhole. But do, So do we have those guys in the kimonos commentating, but they're kind of bored because they're like, gee, I wonder what's going to happen again, again now. I want them so much. We have to have them. Perfect, okay. And you know what's great about them is that they were voiced over with American accents anyways. Yeah, I love that show. You know who my grandmother loved that show. <laughs> Everybody with sense loved that show. <laughs> yeah, true. Mostly because of the dubbed voiceovers. It added a whole new funny context to the entire thing. It was just insanity. And the names they would give their contestants. I think I'm gonna look at there's gotta be some of that online somewhere. Daily motion's gotta have episodes or something. MXR, it's a, it, you can find it anywhere. Oh yeah? Oh yeah, I'm sure it's all over the tubes. Have never thought to look, but I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Anyhow, that is what the show turns into. Yes. Uh, now that now that we've just come onto the set and and barge through, they're like, we need to open this up to volunteers, and and it evolves into the the latest incarnation of the most extreme elimination challenge. Don't get oh. eliminated. Is it is it because they're rubes? Is the show that they've set up uh, an elaborate Rube Goldberg mechanism in which a person tumbles through a Rube Goldberg thing until they fall into the hole? And the show is like, there's a, there's a joke in there. Is it a series of obstacles? Uh, is it a Rube Goldberg machine that's kind of disguised as a series of obstacles that can be traversed? Yeah, precisely. But when you zoom out, it looks like an OK Go video. 
Oh, yeah. The 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 audience perspective backs up enough that it actually just kind of looks like an assembly line of people getting tossed in. Yeah. It's a conveyor belt of victims. Yeah, it zooms back, and then that's when you see the producer in his booth, like doing the the um, what's his name? I was gonna say Smithers. What's his name? Mister Burns fingers. Yeah, excellent. And he's just he's just looking at the ratings and and audience participation, and people are still voting, and he doesn't even have to count money. He now just uses prestige and influence. Oh, is that we see the numbers going up and up and up and he's laughing maniacally and the uh, the everything. Is that when we cut away to Columbo and Columbo sees the numbers going up and he goes, OK, I'm going to have to do something about that. That's probably a good idea. This is a good point to bring Columbo into it because he's been almost certainly very hesitant to get involved because he's living in exile. And the stuff on the other side of those wormholes is stuff that he is actually probably in terrible danger from more than anybody else is probably right and this is the first case of like it's bad enough that there's these wormhole events in which like the outside is having influence but now we have people on the earth side that are actively putting humanity through to the other side sending them through for fun and profit yeah and that's that's going to if if anything if anything that's only going to like increase the amount of bleed back from the outside because as our reality pours into it, more of it is going to pour out. It's displacement. Yeah. And that only exacerbates what I want to call the world wound. That volcano is just like an injury in reality. And it's getting bigger faster as more people wind up going through. So yes, that'll be what it takes to get Columbo involved. Oh, is Columbo uh, monitoring the wound itself and he's noticing that exacerbation rather than the uh, the show stats? Well, he's probably watching a direct correlation between the two. Okay. Because I bet she's got a bunch of monitors because he's got the fishermen on the job. So he's he's at some hidden base somewhere watching all of this on various monitors and watching how those those numbers are going up at the same kind of curvature as the rate of growth of the the wound. I guess it's time for daddy to step in. I can't do the voice. (laughs) The thing is, is he's probably actually getting more powerful as more of the outside influence bleeds into this reality. But it also makes him more vulnerable to the things that already banished him. Right. Okay. But he's got it. He's got to do something. Is he going to go? Is he going to follow us into the outside or is he going to go to this set and close that wormhole? So far, it's like the only stable one. So it's the most dangerous. Oh, does that mean I'm just wondering. So we go through no, that wormhole. no reliable way home. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. On the other side of that wormhole, the other side is in the same static spot. And but he comes and closes it. And then on the other side, the crew sees it close and doesn't know why. Yeah, if it now. Uh, yes, I think it should be in the same static spot, but it has to be somewhat like inconvenient to reach. Otherwise, people would start coming back through it since everything that's gone into it hasn't come back out there. It uh, there has to be a reason. Is there some sort of video game trope barricading like that's between us and it? <laughs> a really thin and fragile looking flimsy wooden door. It's locked. Oh, and a, the tooltip comes up that says this door is locked from the other side or whatever. It's the Dark Souls thing. Yeah. Yep. Anybody with like a, a reasonably sturdy knee could just like knock it off its hinges. But no, it's locked. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, I like that. And we can't get over the it's like we can see hmm. Yeah, okay. And there yeah, there's there's like an a waist high fence around the door. <laughs> but we can't hop over it. <laughs> we can't hop over it. We try to, but there's an invisible wall. Somebody tries to uh first shoulder slam and then eventually like heel kick that door open, but it's it might as well be made of like foot thick iron just thud somebody broke a shoulder oh the whole the accordion foot <laughs> yeah exactly like that it's it, cool. it needs it even needs to make the sound <laughs> oh yeah kind of like droops as you pull it away <laughs> yeah so it makes the accordion sound and I'm like oh <laughs> that's gonna take a little while to fix and so that is the scene so yeah, uh, Columbo's like, all right, gonna have to do something about this. And he picks up the phone and he's like, I need I need a helicopter or something. He needs to get there and then uh, he can hang up the phone like he hangs it up on the receiver because it's, it's an old rotary dial phone for dramatic effect. He slams it down on the receiver. The screen goes black and it then cuts to us in the outside, the crew in the outside trying to circumnavigate this flimsy wooden door that's locked on the other side and somebody gets the accordion foot. Do, hmm. I guess, so we spent, I'm just trying to imagine how much, is that all we see of Columbo for the rest of this episode? Was that just a little bit of- No, that was was just uh, a smash cut for that scene. He's going to arrive. I imagine the next time we see him, he'll be arriving on the set by helicopter with like a team of his fishermen. He doesn't dare to try using any of his powers because it's just going to like draw attention from the outside. Right. Okay. So that is that. Okay. So it cuts back to accordion foot. Do we then cut to back, back in time to the boat now? The thought yacht? Oh, sure. I'd love to go back to the thought yacht. Yeah. We've kind of established whatever, what's going on with everybody. We've set up what Columbo's going to be doing. We've set up where the crew is. And now we can cut back to what we've established with the story. Yes. Uh, how, long after it lands and settles in that spot do we want to pick up i guess we want to have their little lord of the flies society already established i guess like everybody already has their roles and titles okay so the the camera kind of like is uh, it's unfocused and then it slowly focuses and there is the trashed thought yacht probably like almost split in half and it's got tiki torches around it and uh We've gone full tribal. Everybody's gone back to their primal roots. We're oh, going. Yeah, everybody's got war paint, and and their costumes are all ripped and torn and and reassembled. Yeah, they're a lot of them are still in their bathing suits, but they're like slightly torn up to look just like caveman esque. They look like they're from the Flintstones. Yeah, there's there's bones everywhere inexplicably. Have they been eating each other? Yes, <laughs> and anything, <laughs> each other. And anything dumb enough to wander by. Some of them have bone necklaces, just a bunch of finger bones. But yeah, you bet your ass that these hot tub streamers will consume each other at the first opportunity. Which which might have a little. I think there's a show on or not a show on, but there's a show that's somewhat hype right now called Yellow Jackets, which is about like a female soccer team that went disappearing in the mountains for a long time. And I think it might be implying that there was some cannibalism involved. So we might be tying into some pop culture stuff without even meaning to. Well, I mean, the Donner Party has been a thing for a long time. Oh, that too. Yeah, of course. You know, they were actually going to kill one of the live members of the party and eat him. Well, they not? were 
they were going to murder somebody and then they're like no we can't do it and then like almost immediately afterwards somebody drops dead and they're like oh thank god <laughs> that's very convenient yeah or i mean it could have been the uh what's the mist they could have killed a guy and then right after that the other guy fell dead yeah that would have been much worse oh that would have been embarrassing but at least it's cold out there so it's not it, the, whatever the meat will keep so yes uh they've they've regressed into full tribal cannibal they're uh they're wearing tattered loincloths and they've got spears with like feathers and skulls hanging off of them are they do we uh continue to zoom in until we're in the ship's interior and they're hosting some kind of council well yeah i'm curious are, do they have like warring bands or for the most part are they just a ramshackle society well i'm sure they have i'm sure they've split into like some factions i'd I doubt they'd be totally at war and still be able to share the ship unless the ship was neatly in two halves and then each half is at war with the other half. They've drawn like close borders around their half of the ship. Yeah, I guess I'm I guess we had originally said there was one one person who was the smartest who manipulated everybody. But because if we had them warring, what would the values be that they were divided on? Oh, it has to be something stupid. Those those are the ASMR Twitch streamers and on this side of the hot tub Twitch streamers. That's it. Yeah, I guess so. That makes sense. The scrupulous. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that they both look down on each other quite harshly. Well, we're legit content creators. Yeah, yeah. All, we create really high quality ear licking noises. <laughs> so you, you hot tub sluts can go to hell. That's how it all started. That's how society breaks down. You don't even understand the genesis of an idea. Whereas the hot tub streamers think that the ASMR streamers are actually just kind of basically doing the same thing as they are, but pretending it's not. So they think they're hypocrites. And that's that's the line at which everything is broken down. But the one smartest between them all is someone who does both and and manages to lead some kind of council that at least keeps things down to a simmer instead of a rolling boil. Like, do the do the hot tub streamers make the salient point? They actually so specifically say, like, at the at the other end of the transaction is a is a an ejaculating man. So we're we're doing the same business either way. We're in this. We're the same. We're in the same business. Yeah, <laughs> that's fighting we're in, words. We're in that, the ejaculating man business. Yeah, and that's that is fighting talk for the ASMR streamers who try to depend on some kind of legitimacy. Or at least they they depend on a not that ism. So they're like, we're not hot tub streamers. So we're we're a cut above, but they are the same. They are the same. When the so when the ASMR people are talking, are they always whispering really close into a microphone? And they're all <laughs> they're always stroking. They're always stroking the microphone. And and, all- and like loudly licking their lips, yes. I think I stopped holding my button down. They're always they're tapping their desk. They're just like they always talk. They always sound like they have a really wet mouth. It's just it's just horrible. I would I I hate it a lot. <laughs> ASMR with a mouthful of Orbeez. No matter what, it's just always like really moist. It is an interesting. I'm curious to know what the aliens will think of ASMR videos. And then there's like one reject in the corner who just crinkles candy wrappers, but all the, like the the ear liquor streamers look down on that guy. 
Oh, do they do like snobby artist things? Like it's so derivative. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense that even in their tribal state, they'd still be totally up their own asses in denial. <laughs> of course. They, I mean, they literally just killed and ate Susan, but they're still above this this candy wrapper crinkler piece of shit. This subhuman degenerate guy. Somebody has to be at the bottom of every hierarchy. Yeah, and in the ASMR field, it's this candy wrapper jerk. He's not even making his own noises. He's he he needs a tool. It's not real. It's not him. He's just crinkling a candy wrapper. But yeah, they they definitely all speak, you know, like in hushed whispers with lots of licking their lips and and stuff. God, I hate them. <laughs> I I don't understand how people can listen to that and be achieving any kind of good feelings. I listen to that and just like incredibly uncomfortable. Do we touch on ReactGate at all? Is there a small faction of React uh, React streamers on the, the thing, but they aren't involved in any of the drama because they're all just stuck inside of their cabins or whatever? Or are they reacting to the drama? They don't oh, participate, oh. they just react. They are they are the, the source of news. They are the town criers or whatever of the society. They are the commentators. Oh, they would be too. That's all they do is they... They package up all of this information and then present it with like not even their two cents, not even one cent. They just like it's basically smash or pass, but for content. Yeah. And then they pass oh, that off as content. And now with the news and it's literally just smash or pass. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's I mean, that's all reaction videos are is just like, do I approve of this or not? Is this funny or not? It's just I like this. And then presenting your stating that you like something as if it's his own content. I think the meta game of React content is: Am I attractive to this fan base? Ugh. Would would Star Wars fans like to watch yet another person with a shiny, soft-skinned face watch their favorite show and not really be into it? But hey, I'm here watching it, and you can mansplain it to me. I think that's the Star Wars community's favorite thing. Please don't attack us, Star Wars community. Or, as I said in one of our earlier episodes, please do come bump our numbers up. Oh, yeah, I, I guess all publicity is good publicity. Engagement is engagement. We're yeah. those people now. I want all the smoke. Anyhow. Well, if that's what we want, why aren't we deliberately producing outrage content? Because it's derivative. It is, and it's not terribly funny. Okay, so we've got all these factions and then like a, a sort of neutral reaction faction that is just they're basically just the news in this little tribal society. But right at the middle of it, there definitely is this smartest of them all, most cunning Amaranth-esque streamer. She keeps everybody in a perpetual state of conflict because it suits her purposes. Oh, I'm actually kind of just to re-explore the React thing. Are they the news or are they the uh, like the court? The They are the, like the town elders. And their I think is... they are both. But I don't think they're the elders because they don't have opinions of their own. Right. They just give thumbs up, thumbs down, though. Yeah, they're they're like the jury. Yeah, they get to be the jury in every case. Having seen a witch, well, not a witch, but a a, a voodoo trial in Ghana, they literally are just blowing smoke out their ass. Just like it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It has nothing to do with what they think. It has purely to do with what they think will make the rest of the village happy. Yeah, it's just, you know. If I get this many likes, we'll burn a witch. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, should we do a witch burning on this ship then? Is that what the trial we see with the the reactors is? Yes, but we don't actually burn her at the stake. It's more like a, you know, roast me. Oh, is it a roast? Is it a roast or they they take out their um their cell phones and they take out her the contact for that person and they delete it and they say Jessica, you've been burned. Both. The final act of the roast is to delete them from contacts. You've just unpersoned them. Yeah. But only after they've been roasted. Are they roasted uh, like Friars Club style? Like they're up on a dais with a bunch of uh, uh, like, uh, I need to, I was about to <laughs> Craig cut this out. I was about to say Jewy, but uh, I meant to say <laughs> Catskills cat style vaudeville comedians. Yes, but I do think that they should actually be strapped to, you know, as if they're about to be burnt at the stake. They're on the pole. They've got their their arms tied up behind it. They're stuck oh, yeah. on this, what looks like it's about to become a pyre. And then everybody gathers around and starts roasting them. I like that a lot. It's a roast. And then, so once they're done burning them, they <laughs> they swipe them to delete from contacts. And they're like, you've been cast out. And she's devastated. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that's the end of... Because when, you, when your social media network consists of like, 26 people and they kick you out you now have nobody there's there's there is no other facebook in the outside and then you join the ostrich club and they say why do they call it the ostrich club and it's because they couldn't pronounce ostracization brutal which means that there's there's probably like an additional little faction of exiles and they're 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 living underneath one of the remaining lifeboats it's just like flipped over so that it's now a roof Oh, is one of is there some sort of underclass who's like dancing to Irish music in the boiler room or whatever? Who are we making fun of now for real? This was this was in the Titanic. Leo was poor and all the poor Irish immigrants who were on the Titanic were like in the in the poor quarters dancing to um, wire music or whatever that thing is called. Loot music. I don't know. Fife music. I think I think it would have been a liar by that point. Or yes, a fife. A shillelagh, or is it just a shillelagh stick? I can't remember. Shillelagh is, in fact, your beat stick. So, it, if we if we have a little a bunch of uh, dancing lower class Irish folks, it'll be like a very brief reference to the Titanic. I mean, this ship is already sunk, but right. they don't they don't know it yet because they're still down in the engine room. Because there would there would have been an underclass on the thought yacht. There would be like uh, like chefs and whatnot, hospitality staff. And if we know anything from the current job market, it's that hospitality staff are, you know, all all the service industry people are apparently supposed to be treated as subhuman, or at least that's how people tend to treat them, especially right. Karens. We we don't condone treating service industry staff as subhuman, but people we just do that. Recognize the reality, yeah, yeah, people do that, and it's it's very unkind. And so that's that's what became of them. They're still down in the depths of the ship. They're not quite aware that it's crashed. They're too busy partying. Are they? Are, do we do a couple crossover references? They're feeding. They're like feeding little dust motes into the the furnace beast. Oh, they're just like they're shoveling up empty air to toss into the the furnace that hasn't been lit in weeks. Because now it's just straight up mega denial. Is it mega denial, or it's like what? You don't need to do that. And they're like union rules. <laughs> <laughs> I have to shovel into this furnace once every 15 minutes. That's yeah, you can say union rules and then you can just cut it right there. <laughs> yeah. 
that's the joke and then we can immediately get back to the exterior of the ship now are tucker and todd going to show up at any time because we got about 30 minutes left to tie that together Hmm, like i mean it would be interesting like do we we pull up on them or have they've we've been they've been jesus i was gonna say we pull up on them in a rowboat or or we have been dragging behind them we've been hitching a ride on a rowboat well there's no water here so if if they're on a boat they're not going anywhere i guess i wasn't thinking about that is the boat is the ship drifting in space or is it like no it's it's definitely crashed onto the ground it's 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 a crashed boat on the dirt Okay. On the outside dirt. On the top of a mountain? Nah, just on the ground, not far from Kansas. Right, I guess that would be how that worked. Oh, and I guess, okay, now, okay, I need to add notes for the video game. But that does mean that when we, when Tucker and Todd, when we went there to get the antenna, all these people were pretty much gone. So whatever fate awaits them, it either they're all going to die or they're going to leave the ship. Right. What were Tucker and Todd up to? Did we were we heading somewhere? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure we were just playing with the cultists. We had created two cult factions inadvertently. Oh. Inadvertently created two cult factions because one believes that that statue is Val and that they need to stay there and worship her, or otherwise try to bring her back. And another faction that believes that this is just a statue of Val and the real Val is out there and they need to go find her. And I think that's where we just left them left off. So are we maybe like wandering the wastes with our go find Val cult because we have nothing better to do? We're like, sure, we'll come along. You guys are funny. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're passive protagonists, so we'll probably just go with whoever's doing stuff. So they decided to be active protagonists and go out and get stuff done. So they're they're wandering and we're with them. I just want to revisit the fact that we have. So you mentioned that we were sent on a mission to get a uh, an antenna from the the wreck, right? So that would have taken place long after the the moments that we've been describing when they arrive, right? Correct. So even even their tribal scene is back in time. It's set earlier than Tucker and Todd's arrival. Okay, good point. Yes. Okay. I just needed to solidify that. So Tucker and Todd, even if they came across the 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 ship again, would not have any um thought would not have any thoughts on it. Yeah, they would have no interaction with any of the people. However, they didn't necessarily go explore the depths. They needed an antenna, which they kind of just like plucked right off the top. So there there there's still an opportunity for there to be lots of stuff like in the deepest bowels of the ship. It's a it's a full size ship. So there's plenty of interior space that's unexplored. Okay. So is it a thing where it's like a, as we're wandering, we pass that ship and we're like, "Hey, do I re- do you remember when we got a antenna from that thing? Does it does anything about it seem different? What what's what's different about it? What's happened? What's going on? What do you mean, Todd? Well, I mean, the first example that pops into my mind is like it's glowing. Now I'm making jokes out of it. It has a different haircut. Did you did you do something with your hair? I mean, it could be covered in vines and stuff. And these are outside vines, so they've got like fingers and other horrible things. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes, creeping vines that look kind of like the human centipede if it was made entirely out of hands. Ooh. With, like, with knuckles and fingernails and all. Yeah, whole entire fingers. It looks it's a giant centipede, but it's got human fingers for legs. 
and it's just like we think it's a vine but it it we get too close and it starts to like skitter away which for me would be enough for me to decide not to explore any closer to that boat is it going to be a boat that we decide that we don't need to explore or is there something inside of the bowels of it which is going to tie into us getting back in communication with Craig and them. I think the cultists we're with are going to insist that we have to investigate because it's clearly a relic from Earth. Val came from Earth. That ship came from Earth. It's not a coincidence. We have to go inside. And so they're going to drag us in. And oh, actually, yeah. Being that an event on the Thought Yacht inspired the dating show which starred Val, would cultists who who uh, uh, revere the history of the show know that the Thought Yacht is somehow tied into Val? Interesting. Uh, I don't know if that would be information that anybody would have, except that it had the same like showrunners, which would be the kind of thing that television buffs would know, like the same creator who was blah, 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 producing various projects on that boat went on to produce parasocial activity. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's a couple, there's a couple tie-ins to things. I mean, there's cause, uh, L Ron Hubbard, the actual one, not our fake guy. He had a ship that was like the Scient USS Scientology or whatever. And then also this could be, I mean, it could be sort of like a Noah's Ark kind of thing. It's part of the, 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 the old Testament of, uh, parasocial captivity uh, it is captivity isn't it yeah what have you been saying oh active yeah whatever it's like. i said activity but captivity is better it implies something sinister both words in there imply something problematic for sure <laughs> yeah i guess so anyways they would okay yeah tucker tucker and todd world. are being dragged onto this boat by at least one of the simps who manages to logically tie it together and we're doing kind of like a, a Scooby and Shaggy like knees knocking thing. Well, yeah, we just saw that creeper vine that actually creeped right the hell out of there. Crept. So, yeah, we're we've we got teeth chattering and shaky knees. Some something goes bang and Todd picks Tucker up and uses him as a human shield. Nothing happens. But that was that's the that's the instinctive reaction. Does that trigger an argument about why would you use me as a human shield? Probably. Yes. That's your reaction? Whatever, I was afraid. If I recall correctly, it was your turn to be the human shield. When have I ever been able to pick you up and use you as a shield? That time on the stool. <laughs> that It was a strong stool. <laughs> strong enough for two. Okay, what is inside this thing? I'm feeling like I feel I'm feeling like there's some sort of like Princess Leia, your own, my only hope holograph kind of thing. Like there's some sort of repeating message being played on a screen that gives us a clue about where to go next. Oh, interesting, because I was thinking that if there were any people left on it, they've degenerated into like native outsiders. Oh, interesting. But I, I do oh. like the idea of us like uncovering some kind of either a projection or like a pre-recorded message of some kind. We could have a little bit of both uh, one and then the other. But that's interesting. Well, yes. uh, obviously. Activating this pre-recorded message should cause whatever happens to still be living in the boat to like become aware of us and become aware of our location and come our way. Kind of like that that time a certain idiot knocked a bucket down a well inside of a, you know, the the mine. Mine of Moria, yeah. 
Yeah. That's what I was imagining when you said bumping around inside the thing the first time. Um, here I propose that they are the thoughts because they were the, they were the yacht thoughts, but they abstracted so long that they became thoughts. O u g h t. What kind of thoughts? Just vacant, empty thoughts. So just thoughts about nothing. Yeah. What do they look like then? How are they manifesting or materializing? They are. Um, they are. Th- their thought bubbles. Their thought clouds. Oh. But they they have like faces and mouths and stuff. Mm, they need know. to they need to they that. need to be dangerous. Oh, they they need to look scary. Yeah, they they need to make noise and otherwise be dangerous. Otherwise, why do we care that they're coming? Because they are coming. It's it's got that whole Minds of Moria energy where you like suddenly they're screaming and shouting and noise coming. From oh, the depths. so they are genuinely they have ill intent though. They are coming after us. I don't even know if they have intent anymore. They just want to eat. Okay, but they're, they're they are a a zombie pest type of thing. Yes, they are a threat. Okay, um, what do they look like? Maybe they're not thoughts. <laughs> well, whatever they are, they've been mutated or otherwise degenerated by the outside. So they're they're mutants. It's basically, uh, oh, what are all those movies where people? It's it's every time it's like cavern cavern explorers winding up underground. With mutant humans. Or is it that they became negative thoughts and we start having, like, they fill us with existential dread. Like, they start, like, mind-melting us. It's like Scarecrow. Yeah, but we already did that to McConaughey's hive mind. I don't think they, I don't think somebody else has enough juice to do that to us. Oh, yeah. We give people existential dread. But I guess it's it's fair play, then, to give us a piece of our own medicine. We give people existential dread in our reality. Do you think that our powers don't work the same in the outside, maybe? Or would they be amplified? Maybe. Or would they be amplified? Well, the only reason it worked before was because we were hooked up to a hive mind. But if they're amplified, then maybe we can project them into something else without need for a hive mind. Oh, do we actually? You know what? We should probably focus on what the pre-recorded message was. Oh, I was just going to say, do we save them? No, they're they're doomed. They're there's they're irrecoverable. And whatever they are, they're probably going to just force us into a retreat anyways. So we don't even have to get too close a look at them. We just know something's coming and we need to get the hell out of there. But we need to know what we came in for in the first place. What is the pre-recorded message? Is it so is it from Val? I was trying to determine if it's from Val or if it's some sort of anachronistic message from the crew. Oh, that what, we can what, figure out now later. <laughs> well, how it got there is irrelevant. Everything works funny in the outside. They <laughs> yeah, could have, right. they could have uh, gone through that portal and come to visit the ship when it was still like much more civil and cosmopolitan, and left a message. Oh, okay. I do like. Okay, that's fun. That is implying that some other stuff has been going on that we still don't know about that we can get to. This is fun. Yes, like, and like. That means that even though we got here before they did, they might have predated our arrival by just slightly overshooting us back in yeah, time. Great. I like that. Okay. So it, it is from yeah, our crew. It's, yeah, it's from our crew. This this is the only thing they've found so far where they could leave a message because they, they've probably been wandering for a little while. They found Earth technology that they know how to use. It lets them leave a message. If they ever come across it, they'll see it. And so is it a message of not where to meet them, but when? Oh, there's probably no way to set up a when in the place like the outside. 
it's no aware would probably be best especially because yeah they know the location of a stable wormhole if you want to get out of here you have to go to this place the way back to earth is here right and so so setting that up for either that's what happens now do we go to that place and that's when we discover that it's been closed though yes see that's yes we we uh we get the message to play we listen to the whole thing uh the way back to earth is you know at this location you need to get to this wormhole blah 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 it's located you know at xyz a place next to this that and the other thing and of course the path that turns into a giant mouth whatever directions they give they're good enough that we figure we can get to it which is great because we need to leave because we hear a whole bunch of things coming up from the bottom depths of this ship and we don't after seeing the hand centipede i don't even want to know what's coming so we need to get out of here we am scray we am scray the heck out of there and the cultists are really disappointed because it had nothing to do with val they probably want to leave us now and we're fine because we finally have an objective so we'll go we'll part ways do we do they get sacrificed do they get taken over by the oh whatever's coming for us maybe we maybe we do exactly what annabelle did to us and we push them and then shut the door behind them yeah. or behind us so that they whatever whatever's coming they have to they're there our sacrifice is that is that too cold for tucker and todd i don't know we could even i mean we could address it where one of us like says was that too dark or like expresses remorse and then we have some joke about why they were uh like sacrificable expendable i should say we never even named them they were hardly real people they were just plot devices anyway that's kind of funny if one of us if either tucker or todd was calling what some them by like had given them like nicknames or whatever and was like bonding with them and then as we leave like th- that character is crying that they were sacrificed and the other one's like i told you you shouldn't have given them names <laughs> yeah i like that this is why you shouldn't give them names <laughs> yeah todd is a little bit sore about it he's a sensitive guy Okay, so now it's time for us to start making our way towards the location that we were given in the message. But just as we're just as we're setting off, that's an opportunity to cut that scene there and then return to, return to Colombo. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. So we're like, okay, I, we need to go that way, and then we start moving, and then it's just that's it done. Scene transition. Now Colombo's helicopter is flying in and landing next to the set. Which is now the most extreme elimination challenge. Oh, it's like a huge stadium. There's like a crowd of 100,000 people cheering. Oh, yeah. It's been built way up and now it's a big event. And and Columbo is crashing that with a, an, an, an armed force, which, of course, only causes spectacle and cheering. Yeah, he's strolling out onto the field. And uh, uh, what's his name? Greg Proops is the commentator. <laughs> Yes, and everybody just treats it like it's part of the show. But here, here's Columbo. He's shutting it all down. His 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 fishermen are like rounding up people and getting them out of there, getting them out of the way, trying to make sure that there are no witnesses for what Columbo's about to do because he's going to have to manifest his his mojo to close that wormhole. So yeah, the the stadium is being cleared out. Uh, the commentators are still, you know, they're still commentating even as they're being dragged out of their office away from their microphones. Oh, are they commentating on how they're being dragged out? Yes, they're they're doing a run in commentary on their own state, and they're they're shouting from down the hallway to try and still have their voices reach the microphones as they're being dragged <laughs> out of the building. Picks up faintly. I like that. 
never once breaking out of their commentator character either. So same tone and everything. And then, and then once the place is sufficiently cleared up and, uh, it, it winds up tented very much like, uh, in the first Thor film around the research station established around Mjolnir where it landed, it winds up like that. So it's a whole station. We've got monitors and everything is like flickering from all of the uh, interference because now that Columbo's there, it's causing a whole bunch of like feedback. There's either a, a post credit sequence or it's a, a sequence in the next episode where the MXC commentators are in their kimonos, but they're being like interrogated, but they're still running a commentary on the interrogation. Oh yeah. I think that's, I think we, that's a must have. Everybody's going to get interrogated to find out what they know. And anybody who knows too much either gets killed or mind wiped or something, but these guys are the only people who don't break under the duress and they're just still commentating. They're still like elbow nudging and laughing. <laughs> yeah. And they're still dubbed somehow. They're, they're being, you know, it's like that, that, uh, that movie. What was it? Shit. Kung Pao. Oh yeah. yeah. So every they're they're speaking like their, their mouths are moving, not corresponding to their spoken words. And nobody seems uh, weirded out by this. They've always been this way. These two are the are the voices that they're dubbed with Statler and Waldorf. I think that's a little too uh, cynical for like commentators like real. These guys are they these guys are jokers, but they're proper commentators. They're not Statler and Waldorf don't commentate. They take the piss. That's true. Yeah. Although they have to show up somewhere. Oh, it will cut away from the interrogation scene in Statler and Waldorf are commentating on it. Oh, yeah. Somebody's commentating on the commentators. Yeah, they're, Statler oh, they're, and Waldorf. They're watching through the the, the the one-way window or whatever. Statler and Waldorf are fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm on board with that. But yeah, and uh as they're as those guys are doing that, Columbo is working on, you know, doing his mojo, some kind of spell or ritual or whatever. And the the wormhole is shrinking. It's not like closing up all at once. It's shrinking because this is tough. Right. Yeah, it takes it, it takes effort. Yeah, lots of it and focus. It probably takes like a few hours to to get it to totally seal up. And uh, on the other side, through th- that, you can probably see almost none of this, even though it's over a waist high fence and a rickety door with like inch or at least centimeter wide gaps between the boards. It's just like a whole bunch of weird light show going on in the outside. But from Columbo's point of view, it's shrinking the wormhole and eventually it's winked out of existence and it needs to make a funny noise. Like a slurp and pop? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then and then of course it closes, and then on the other side it closes, but probably a bit more uh catastrophically. Probably destroys a good portion of the area around it. Like craterizes? Yeah. Like it, it turns that waist high fence and that rickety door into a smoking crater. Oh, do we do do we do a uh, lowbrow scene on the other side, though? So since they're they're just waiting, they're literally camped out. They've got little lean to tents, the crew on the other side. They're roasting marshmallows or whatever. And like uh, 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 somebody blows a fart and it's a teeny weeny cute little wincy fart. And they're like, oh, my God, gross. And then somebody else. And then there's all of a sudden an explosion in a crater and everybody's like, Stan. And he's like, what? the? That wasn't me. So it was a, it was a little toot. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then there's an explosion Ha-boom, immediately yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Stan that. So yeah, every, everybody else is just camped out nearby waiting for some way to get in rather than try to go find the key card or whatever. Cause this is clearly a video game. They're just waiting. Yeah. I, assume, I assumed at that point they had left the message for us to come and meet them. And so they know that they're waiting for us to show up. I think. Yeah. They're, they're like, this is where we told them to come. We might as well stay. Yeah, that's great. Oh, and um, then actually, it's not even another person. It's Stan does a little toot, and everybody's like, Stan. And he's kind of chuckling to himself. He's like, what? It wasn't me. And then kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, OK, that was not me. Yeah, that wasn't me. I mean it. And then that's the the portal explodes. And that's probably where, once again, Craig is trying to do the that seems highly unlikely. Mm, yeah, because we could have the crater with the smoking hole in the center and the like the large we get the like straight woman does the guys like long, wide, like exterior crane out shot. The portal's gone. And then like that is the dun, 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 tune in next week. The tune in next week component is actually far off in the distance. Tucker and Todd are making their way there and they see an explosion. Oh, good. Way, yes. way off in the horizon. They see like a green mushroom cloud. That's in the direction we're going. Well, let's not go that way then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know where we're not going. And then and then that's credits. Oh, and they turn on their heel. (laughs) Yeah. Well, fuck that. We're not going in that direction. Because, I mean, I'm not going to go towards an explosion. Are you? No, that looks awful. Yeah. So, oops, we've just automatically extended our journey. Oops. I think that means we should meet house next week then. Oh, yeah, I'd like to do that. Okay, I'm putting it in the recording schedule. But so, that... yeah, uh, straight woman and everybody, they probably thought that that would be like a flare. Now they definitely know where we are. So, yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're all like, <laughs> well, we still know where to go. Yeah, <laughs> well, we know where we're not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they can't miss us now. And then the cuts of the, the yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, well, at least they know where they're going. And then, yeah, it cuts back to Tucker and Todd. Well, we know where we're not going. And then, (laughs) bam, credits. That's great. Ta-da. This was a good episode. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Do do we have any parting words? Some wisdom? Oh, well done, by the way. For the recording schedule, we totally forgot to do what we intended to do anyway. Oh, I mean, let's do that now. Do you have a couple minutes? It's very I, brief. I actually kind of don't. Oh, OK. Well, then I guess I'll send you off because I'm going to have to go get in my car and pick somebody up soon. OK, well, I have been Todd and you have been Tucker. Actually, let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but you also wanted to add something else to the recording schedule. So you better do that before you forget. Uh, yeah. Recording. schedule. That's when we meet house. That's the 28th. That'll be. Yes. OK, it's on there. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This was the Tucker and Todd cast. We were Tucker and Todd. You were the audience. Have a good night. Yeah. Afternoon, evening. Delight. Delight. Well done, everybody. Yay. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. As and, always. Uh, as always, uh, listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't already. If you didn't, but you made it this far, uh, that's cool. I don't get it. Then you must be from the outside. Yeah, listening backwards. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Bye, Craig.